0: We want to hold those up in just a moment. Thank you. As I look up out of my corner of my eye and see it, (laughs) let's go ahead and do this. I'm a child of God. Having my hand, powerful word of God can heal lives, heal broken hearts, and save our souls. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Don, for prompting me on the blanket. Uh, Kathy, give us a story here. going up, start time, to Jeff, if you can pull a song up, and then I'll, I'll lead us in a prayer in a
1: moment. I rescue
0: you would move among us and that you would stir among us. Father, pray for Alexa, that you would uh, watch over her, help her to recover completely from head to toe. Uh, It's miraculous that she's to the point, it sounds as though she's to the point she is now. We pray that this blanket will become a comfort to her and a, a blessing as they've become to so many. Father, I know the one I was brought in when I was in the hospital meant so very much to me and uh, still does. And I appreciate the, the uh, prayers that went behind that blanket. And so, Father, as we send this one out, we pray that you will anoint it with your spirit and your healing power. And she'll sense and feel it and know it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen, amen and amen. In your Bibles, we want to be in the book of Nehemiah. Today, I want to do just an overview. One of the things that Mark Barrier taught us in college was to uh, learn a book of the Bible by way of overview. Know what the book is saying. Know who he's writing it to, uh, who they're writing to, uh, dates, times when this happened, because it really helps you understand better potentially what's said in that book. And so... uh, we launch into the book of Nehemiah, God Rebuild Us, is the sub-theme that we'll carry on for the next 13 chapters and 13 weeks. We want to examine how we can rebuild our lives, but also how to rebuild the lives of our church, and the theme that our incoming president ran on was Make America Great Again. Well, there's only one way. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And none of that will happen unless God's people change themselves. That's the key. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going verse by verse through Nehemiah. Um, I hope to get a chapter done every week. Make no guarantees. I've got no place to go. Neither do you. But we've got a whole lot to learn here. Amen. And the public reading of Scripture is biblical, and uh, you're going to see the importance of it uh, in today's message and then also uh, going forward. Now, today won't be as much, but we'll have some. But starting next week, boy, it'll be, we'll start at verse 1, and here we go. All right? Are you with me? I hope you are. Now, I don't know much about Nehemiah. Did any of you know much about him? The only thing I really knew about Nehemiah was he was the smallest man in the Bible, Nehemiah. That's all I knew about him. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining in <coughs> from a distance back there. No one else? Well, Bill Dad, the shoe height, I found out, was smaller than him. And then I found out that there's one even smaller than those two guys, and that was the guard who slept on his watch. So <laughs> I just... Don't don't quit, my, don't quit my day job. whatever Okay. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, all three of those books were written about the same time period in history. And they parallel each other. Ezra and Nehemiah especially. In fact, in the Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah are one book. They're not two. They're one book. Okay? So, It's interesting that these three, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, fall into that uh, historical time period. And the way we have them in our Bible is Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther, but in the Hebrew Bible, they're reversed. Esther comes first, then Nehemiah, then Ezra. But nevertheless, the contents of these books are what's important. God raised Esther. Many of you know that story. She was a young Jewish maiden and she was then to become Queen of Persia, uh, Mordecai's statement to her, uncle, uh, who knows for such a time as this that you're to stand and you're to be this lady, this person that will lead and save our nation. Had she not taken that role, the Jews may have been wiped out completely. but at at such a time as this, and so you never know what's going to happen with a person that God is going to use for a purpose at that moment, at that time in history. You don't know. You just don't know. But I guarantee you, God can use the most unlikely people to get his work done. Just go look in the mirror and you'll see. (laughs) The most unlikely people God will use to get his work done. So, she married King Ahasuerus of Persia who is the Artaxerxes in the opening chapter of Nehemiah. Uh, He was a heathen king, but he gave command for Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem to build up the walls of the city. He may have been a heathen king, but he married a godly woman. How many godly women end up doing that in their lives? For some reason, they'll marry some heathen man, and they'll try to change him. Well, nine times out of ten, you're not going to change him by word only. You're only going to change them by your spiritual uh, motivating lifestyle. First Peter three teaches that. If you have an unbelieving husband, women, go read go read first uh, First Peter three. Follow the principles that Peter lays out in chapter three, and there's a great greater potential for your husband to come to the Lord. May not. I know a lot of men that say, oh, it's okay for the wife and the kids to go to church. I just don't need it. Well, you need it more than ever. And they'll tell you the church is full of hypocrites and absolutely say, absolutely, you're exactly right. That's why we're here. Because <laughs> we need a Lord. We need a Savior. Well, it's filled with a bunch of liars. Boy, Amen. We are. And I'm a liar just like you're a liar. And that's why I come to church because I need Jesus who loves liars and cares about us and gave his cell phone to cross so that I could not be a liar. Amen? So you see what I'm saying? Don't let their excuses get in your way. Agree with them. 100% I agree with you. I met a man just a few weeks ago that I was kind of forewarned that, boy, he wants to argue the Bible. We had a great time. In fact, he volunteered to come and help do projects around right here at the church before I left. I just say if you speak straight into their heart, don't worry about what what argument they're going to bring you. And, and, boy, he was lifting Scripture in a really fun way. So you got to know the Word of God in order, in order to talk the Word of God. Amen? And so that's what we want to help you do is to get better at that. But perhaps the accounts in Esther, especially in, in uh, Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 6, when Nehemiah, it says, Nehemiah went to the king, and the king said to me, and the queen sitting beside him, you know, I believe with all my heart that that was Esther. It's not said, but I believe that with all my heart. Because of what the king then did when Nehemiah asked him. When Nehemiah asked him. Esther became an instrument of God's grace. Sent to the throne of Persia. So moved the heart of her husband, the king, that he allowed Nehemiah, his cupbearer, to return to Jerusalem. You know what a cupbearer is, don't you? Their job was to drink all the drinks. And any of the food that came in for the king to eat or drink, first, to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Now that's a great job, isn't it? Okay, what's my job? Well, I'm going to drink, make sure the king doesn't die. So what happens if uh, he drinks something that's poisoned and he dies? They all they all go, well, he was a good old boy, and then we we bring in bring in another one. Yeah, bring another cupbearer. That's right. Twenty-five years later, Zerubbabel returns after, with about 50,000 of the captives from Babylon. I was recording the book of, uh, of Ezra because Nehemiah began to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. In the three books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, there's a story of the way out of captivity and back to God. Now, perhaps in your walk with God, you found God as your Savior some time ago. And somewhere along the way, church got disenchanting for you. Somebody said something to you at church that just didn't set right with you. Okay. Does anybody ever say anything at work that doesn't set right with you? Well, you don't quit work, do you? Well, I've got to have a paycheck. I can go to any church. But do you? See, that's the problem. You see people leave church and they never go again. i got to wonder about their walk with God, that that connection with God, just a little bit. Because people will say incredibly stupid things to each other. Amen? <laughs> we do. We do. I mean, if you blow your nose and you got a booger hanging out, please, somebody tell me, would you? Please, somebody tell me. And this time of year, you get a lot of that. Or they'll sneeze. Oh, mercy. I mean, it's hard to look at them, is it? You just take a rag and just look down. Here, 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 here. But we'll say incredibly stupid things to each other. Hurtful things. We need to be careful about that. Our words mean things. Remember we talked last year about the importance of words and the power of words in our tongue pierced series the book of ezra we'll talk about that in a minute it talks it begins with the building of the temple the restoration of the house of god that should always be the first thing on people's mind is the restoration of god's house making sure god's house is in good order is in good shape I've asked a number of times, can we get folks to come up and help weed the flower beds? Just a simple thing. You don't need to have a key to the building. You don't have to be on a time clock. You just come at your leisure and do it. And I can't even get anybody to volunteer to do that. Do you not care about God's house enough to you come and at least pull weeds? Hmm. Building of the walls comes next in Nehemiah. Filling the need for security and strength, then Esther comes along. The revelation of the purpose of all this, uh, all that's in life, and how an individual can fulfill that purpose that God has for them. But we want to focus on the book of Nehemiah today. It falls into two divisions. The first six chapters cover the reconstruction of the walls of Jerusalem. Chapter seven through thirteen deal with the reinstruction of the people in their walk with God. What does a wall symbolize? We're being told by our new president, we're going to build a wall. Our outgoing president has bought a $5 million home in Washington, D.C., so his youngest daughter can finish school, high school. But he's the first thing he's done, the first order of business is not move in. The first order of business is build a wall. He's building a wall around the house. He's against a wall anywhere else but around his house. Interesting, isn't it? Got to build a wall. So what does it mean to have, have a wall? Well, it can mean two things. A wall can symbolize dividing the city into two. Germany. I don't know if the Great Wall of China divides it into two places, but it's a long wall. And it's a very substantial wall. Amen? The second thing that a wall symbolizes is strength and protection. If you've been to Israel and you've been to Jerusalem and you see the walls in Jerusalem and divide the sections of Jerusalem off and the massive gates that close and open, well, you can understand how security and protection can be provided by these walls. So what does it mean to rebuild the walls in your life? Remember on the connection card I talked about an area of your life, a wall that you're, you need to rebuild? Nehemiah is the account of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a symbol of the city of God. God dwelt there in the center of life for the world there. Still to this day, 2017, we're still arguing about Israel. Little bitty piece of land. Why is that? It's because that's where God is. And people are going to run from God. They've been running from God from day one. And the sooner they settle and quit running from God, the great victory that they can experience. In Iran and in and among the ISIS fighters, people are coming to the Lord in great numbers. Because they're meeting God in a dream. God is coming to them in a dream and he is showing them hell and they don't want to go there. And they're coming to Christ. Now, How about that for a for a parenthetical statement? Now, you're not going to hear that on the mainstream media. You're not going to hear that even on Fox News. Because, see, that's godly stuff. Mike Pence stood up and he said, there's only one way that we'll get America great again, and that's to get on our knees before Almighty God. Woo! That's the vice president I want. See what I'm saying? You say all you want about Trump, but look at what he's putting around him. Look at what he's putting around him. If God, <laughs> we've got an opportunity here as the church, but we've got to change too. We have got to change. The church has got to change. We've got to not worry about who comes in that door. We've got to pray for them to come in that door. For whatever intention they come, we've got to pray for them to come in that door because we need to give Jesus to them. Now, we've been going and bringing. And we'll keep going and bringing as much as we can. But we want to make sure that we have an open, loving, responsive church that brings people off the street and says, we're going to love you no matter what. Can I get an amen? Okay. By God's grace, He frequently reaches down and He gets some of those people that are the most unlikely people that i talked about and brings them to rebuild walls. It's a picture of the way... The walls of any life, any church, any local church, any community, any nation can be rebuilt into strength and power and purpose is you've got to have people sold out to God, humble before God, praying to God, dedicated to God, loyal to God, and to watch what happens. I can assure you nothing will happen if we don't pray. Nothing. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1. That was our memory verse for the week. Next week I'll expound on it a little bit more. But look what Nehemiah says. It's one of the first steps that we should take in rebuilding walls. The walls of our life especially. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Took four actions here. We need to learn to do that. You'll never build the walls of your life Back the way they should until you become greatly concerned about the ruins. Huh. You need to get concerned about where you are. What's going on in your life? Why are you angry all the time? Why are you mad all the time? Why are you upset all the time? Why are you grouchy all the time? That seems to be the way I am at home for, for some reason. In fact, Braden said said, you're grouchy. And I just walked right by him. I didn't listen to him. I think he said, Gigi said, you're grouchy. I don't have a hearing problem. I have an obedient problem. But he's right. And I don't know why I'm grouchy. Except the only thing I can pinpoint right now for me, and I've shared it with you. I'm trying to be transparent with you. Is that I'm battling such a battle with food. I thought I had a battle with food. Lord have mercy. Wait till you lose a hundred pounds, and then you get cocky. I get, I'm getting real cocky. See, because when I pick up the donuts and all the extra stuff they give us every Sunday, I looked at that half. They gave me a half pecan pie today. I thought I could have that gone before I get back to church. See what I'm saying? There's a battle. There's a battle Now some of you are saying Preacher, come on Anybody can walk away Okay, good Good I'm glad you can But I bet you I can find something You can't walk away from I hope Sam Becomes a fisher of men As good as he is a fisher of fish Amen Golly Those fish Those Those are fish They're not little fish They're fish Great concern you got to assess, where are you? Why am I this way? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on here? Oftentimes, it's because I've broken my... You know, one of the four things I tell you all the time, I've told you for years. You want to stay growing in God? You've got to have a connection with God every day through prayer and through the Word. You've got to meet with God's people. Work, wherever. Wherever you find them, you've got to meet with them. And number four, you've got to give away what you got, and that is the Word of God. Salvation in Christ. Give it away. Give it away. Don't keep the message. Give it away. Amen? Man, find somebody to give it to them. Ask him. I, I see a foot doctor every week. She's trying to get my leg to heal up. Uh, and uh, so the other day, I just last week, I just decided to challenge her. I said, you know, we're a small church docking." I said, well, we could use somebody like you to tithe to our church. She said, you know what? I might do that. And lo and behold, did we not get a gift this weekend? She went online and gave us a gift. She said, "Was well, it's just a little gift. I said, I said if it was a penny, it would be, it'd be as good as whatever. I said, the fact that you were willing to do that is amazing. I said, so even after my appointments with you are over, I'm going to still come by every week just to see. She just looked at me. You probably will, won't you? I said, oh, yeah, I will. Anyway, be bold and ask. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. She said, well, I'm, I'd like to come to your church. I said, we would love to have you come to our church. So we never know what God will do. But if we don't ever say anything, you'll get, that, you'll get the response that you're looking for. Do we need more people? Yes. Do we need givers? Yes. Now, you're hearing us talk about money early. Let me tell you how God is. Last year, we projected a certain amount in the budget. We fell short of that by $14,000. You might say, "Oh my God! Oh, we're going in." No, no, no. God's still providing. All of our bills are paid. Everything's paid. At the end of the year, two two gifts came. No, nobody was prepared for them. Nobody knew they were coming. That's why it's fun when God does this. Cut that fourteen to seven. Cut it in half. Two gifts. Isn't that amazing? I'll wait for you to say amen. Amen. But like Nehemiah, he received the word. And in some form or other, he saw the desolation and the ruin. He He knew how it was described and he said, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. So he got greatly concerned about it. When was the last time? I mean, it says that he wept. And he prayed for days fasted when's the last time you were so upset about the sin in your own life that you wept about it I find myself tearing up more than I think I should but it's mainly about this battle this spiritual battle I don't like fighting these battles I don't want to fight them I just want it to be smooth waters but a great sailor's never made by sitting in the harbor. You'll never get better if you don't get out in some rough water. Get out there. My brother taught me how to swim. Took me to the deep end and threw me in. And then stood over there and laughed while I floundered like a whatever it was. <laughs> Coughing and choking and crying and thought I was going to die. But I got out of that water. I'm not afraid of the water anymore. But I was then. But I'd have never learned anything if he hadn't thrown me in the deep water where my feet wouldn't touch. Can you imagine Peter? Get out of the boat. Come on. (laughs) Yo. So Nehemiah, he's ready to go. Showed great concern. Then that's followed by Confession and commitment in chapter one Nehemiah's wonderful prayer is that he confesses that the nation has forsaken God and acknowledges the justice of God as he has dealt with them and then he makes a commitment verse 11 of chapter one he says, "O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today." See, he had a plan forming in his mind. Even while he has been praying of how to go about rebuilding the walls, he had something definite that he was going to ask, because in the, in the second part of verse 11 he says, And grant him, me, mercy, Nehemiah, in the sight of this man. So he wanted him to prepare the king's heart. And then the latter part of verse 11, he says, Now I was a cupbearer to the king. So in other words, I'm really nobody that should get this done. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no person who has any credentials that would make this happen. But God, with you, I can do it all. God, I can do anything. With you in it. With you in it. So get concerned, confess and commit ourselves to act on behalf of God. And then we've got to move into areas... Where we can't do it, but God can. We can't do it, but God can. The leadership team, as we look at the financial statement month in and month out, and we saw saw that the the giving wasn't matching what we thought it would and prayed it would. But there was never a panic. I'm still not panicked today. Because if God wants this church to stay here, it will stay here. When God wants this church to be gone, trust me, it will be gone. It'll be gone. If God removes the blessing. See, the trend right now is to get away from entertainment in church. They're coming and looking for what we're giving them. Straight out of the Word of God. I thought, that's a novel approach. (laughs) Straight out of the Word of God. The next necessary step, then, is courage Look at verse 9, chapter 2. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me officers of the army and horsemen, but when Sanballat and the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite... (laughs) See, you got the same enemies fighting God all the time. Later part of verse 10... When they heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Someone had stood up and said, I'm going to make a difference. Someone said, I... And you fill it in. Wow. Immediately, courage is needed whenever you see it's time to take action. It takes courage to take the action. It takes courage to... Miss meals. It takes courage to pray continually. It takes courage to walk away from things that you would just as soon be involved in. It takes courage, guts to do it. I started going back to work out this week. I got all four days in. Man, me and Ben Gay are, my, that's, my, that's my newest friend. I just thought I had aching muscles. Wow. Wow. And all I did was get out of the car. It was amazing. (laughs) So whenever a man like Nehemiah says, I will rise and build, Satan says, then I'll rise and oppose. Whenever the church says we're going to do something, Satan is going, really? I'll shut you down in a minute. That little old church on the corner, 300 North Elm and Jinx. You're not ever going to get any bigger than you are right now, so just hush about getting new people in your church. You're not going to get it because they don't want them to come. And yet, when we've gone out and got to bust them and we bust them in, what have you done? You've loved them. You've loved them. Haven't you? You bet you have. And you'll keep doing that. Why? Because that's the way you are. That's what I love about you. So don't limit what God can do. But not only courage, but we need caution mingled with courage. So three principles of reconstruction: concern, confession, and commitment, and courage with caution. In chapter three, is how how you went about the task of reconstruction. First of all, the people were willing to work, and second, they became involved and immediately started doing doing something. It's important that we get involved. If you have a skill, let's use the skill. Come, let us use the skill. Come help us. In the next chapters, 4 through 6, it covers the persecution that arose from building the city walls. You know, I've already suggested that when you start to rebuild the strength in your life, you'll find that if there's a force immediately arousing, arouses itself within you and outside you, and begins to resist what you're trying to do. We've babysit. Last few days, Jeff could work. Missy had to go to Iowa for a funeral. And it's just amazing what the kids eat. And what I thought I should eat with them. But I made the choice not to eat it with them. But, boy, I wanted to eat it with them. There's a little cupcake. Sidney bought little bitty cupcakes like this. Little bitty ones. Peel a little paper off. You can throw four or five of those in your mouth. Just pam, 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 pam. I mean, rapid fire. Chow, 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 chow. So Braden stands there and he says, What are those, grandpa? I said, They're cupcakes. He said, I need one. I said, Well, I need five. He said, Well, I'll take six. So he got one and then I shut the lid. So you gotta shut the lid. <laughs> Some days just shut the lid. I don't know what it is in your life. For me it's food and maybe something else for you. Chapter 6, verse 15, there's a great sentence, and it says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. That is a record building time. Woo! They built it in 52 days. Nobody thought they could ever do it, and they did it. And Nobody believes that we can fill this church up every Sunday, go to two services, go to three services, go to four services. Really? Nah, nah, can't do that. Okay, you're right. Chapter 7 through 13 is reinstruction critical. Chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood. Now you wonder, why do I have you stand when we read Scripture? Right here. Ezra blessed the Lord. He showed honor and praise and glory to God. And all the people answered, Amen and Amen. Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. In verse 8. And they read from the book from the law of God clearly. And they gave the sense of what they were reading so that the people understood what was being read. Wow. So as we read scripture together in public, don't sit there and go, when's it going to be done? I might just can the message and just start reading and not stop until you get up and walk out. Never know. Chapter nine: Ezra's tremendous prayer when he recounted what God had done in the life of His people. Uh, it's always good to stop and remember what God's taught you in your past. In the eleventh chapter is the recognition of gifts among the people. In fact, in the New Testament, that is stated this way in Second Timothy one six, when Paul says, "Rekindle the gift of God that's within you." I love one translation: says, "Fan the flame of the Spirit of God that's within you, and the gift that's within you." Chapter 12 is the dedication of the walls. The people gathered, marched around with instruments, singing and shouting, playing and rejoicing, crying out with great joy. There's nothing that will add more to your strength in the Lord than to express the joy of the Lord in your life. Christmas Day was so much fun in so many ways, but the most fun that I had that day was watching um, our baptism that morning. That young man was so full of the Spirit of God. It's so exciting to watch. And I can't wait till he gets moved here and starts being an impact in our church. The book of Nehemiah closes with a matter of resistance to evil. Your strength will be maintained if you'll take the attitude that Nehemiah took for God. He was ready to say no to the forces that would destroy what God was doing in his life. In in chapter 13, verse 7, having gone back to Babylon and... and, uh, a return to Jerusalem, he says this, I then discovered the evil that Elisha had done uh, for Tobiah. Uh, and this man was the first mentioned in the beginning of the book as an enemy of the Jews, preparing for him, the enemy of God, a chamber in the courts of the house of God. He had allowed Tobiah to move right into the temple. God had allowed him to move into the temple. And what did Nehemiah do? He said in verse 8 of 13, I was very angry and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah, Out of the chamber. In other words, he went in and he threw all of his furniture in the street. He said, we're going to clean house. And here he goes. Maybe you and I need to spend some time cleaning the house at home. Maybe we need to go through our rooms at home and clean some house. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we've looked into your word. Into the truth that affects our lives. I pray, Lord, that we will learn, as Nehemiah did, to be disciplined, courageous, and confident in You. In You. Willing to say no. Willing to be absolutely ruthless against the forces that would undermine and sap the vitality of our lives in You. Father, if there is someone today in this room who this message is going to resonate with them. And you already know that it's going to resonate within them. Would they today make a renewed commitment to you? Perhaps they would do it publicly. But Father, I'm just praying they'll do it right where they are. And that, that reattachment, that recommitment, then will become evident through the service, through the Spirit, through the Spirit, And the attitude with which they live. Father, there might be somebody in this room that needs you as their Savior. And if there is, would you move on their heart? Would you stir on their heart? And would they respond? In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand this.